1: The top stories from the KCBS Radio Newsroom. This is
0: the All Local. Good morning, I'm Eric Thomas, and here's what's happening. More than 60,000 customers across the Bay Area are without power this morning from some of the high winds that blew through the region. The peninsula is especially hard hit with more than 44,000 customers still out. The National Weather Service issued a wind advisory for the Bay Area that remains in effect until at least one this afternoon. And high wind warnings have been issued along the coastal areas as well. There have been reports of trees and power lines coming down all over the region. And in Boulder Creek, a baby boy, a one-year-old baby boy, is in critical condition after part of a redwood tree fell on his family home on Bobcat Lane yesterday evening. And the winds are still blowing hard out there this morning. We begin our live team coverage of the storm with KCBS's Jeffrey Schaub, who joins us from Marin County, where he's been out in the thick of it. Jeffrey? Jeffrey? Yeah, you may hear a little wind behind me,
2: Eric. It's uh, it's kind of uh, died down a little bit uh, a half an hour or so ago. The uh, flags on a car dealership were completely horizontal. That's not the case anymore. But, you know, the heavy winds did down trees across the North Bay overnight. At least two landed atop homes in Sonoma County. No injuries. Uh, the roof of a carport broke away in Santa Rosa. Two small grass fires were reported, likely amplified by the winds. It's been tricky on bay area bridges this morning with strong wind gusts challenging drivers of high and low-profile vehicles. And you can hear that car alarm in the background. I apologize for that. National Weather Service meteorologist David King says more of the same is in store today. The strongest wind gusts yesterday at uh, Oakland's airport got up to 63 miles an hour, SFO airport got to 68 miles an hour, and San Jose airport got to 61 miles an hour. Now currently they're still gusting at 30 uh, miles an hour and that's gonna continue through this morning. It will subside very gradually Wednesday afternoon, but we're gonna get this secondary pulse of storm systems Thursday where the winds are gonna increase yet again. King says beginning tomorrow and continuing into Friday, it's likely we're going to see snow conditions as low as 1,500 feet. KCBS's Mike DeWalt says he remembers it snowing at ground level in Rohnert Park in 2002. Mike, I guess you were about uh, three years old then. Mike's in the news
1: center. (laughs) Close to that. A little older. But yeah, I do remember uh, that's the one time I've been able to... uh, to make a snowman on the on the front lawn, so always a memorable day. And yet Friday may be another rare snow day for some in the Bay Area. This cold front moving in Thursday night into Friday morning will bring low lying snow from the Oregon border all the way down to the Mexican border. Just about everybody who lives in California will probably be able to see snow, at least on the nearby hills. uh, And in most cases, in the very nearby hills. That's UCLA climate scientist Daniel Swain. There will likely be plenty of rarities with this storm. In the northern part of the state, Swain says there will be snow at sea level in towns like Eureka. The fact that it might accumulate all the way down to the beaches along the north coast is unusual. And potentially, if there is an accumulation at Eureka, it would even be historic. In the Bay Area, there could be snowflakes, even a light dusting at around 500 feet, especially up in the North Bay, and measurable, even sleddable snow at 1,500 feet. Places like Castle Rock State Park, Mount Hamilton, Mount Diablo, Mount Tam, uh, and similarly high elevations in in, in northern Napa and and, uh, Sonoma counties could see. Again, a half a foot or more of snow. Swain says some roads could be challenging in those higher elevations because some of these areas don't have the snow removal equipment readily available. Reporting live, Mike Dewald, KCBS.
0: All right, Mike and Jeffrey, thank you very much. Oakland police are offering a ten thousand dollar reward for information leading to the arrest of a hit and run driver who killed a one hundred year old man near Lake Merritt over the weekend. The uh, victim is identified like Sue Taco. Uh, That's rather the name, Sue Taco, who died at the scene of a severe head trauma. This happened just after 7 on Sunday morning near 19th and Harrison Streets. A police photo of the suspect's vehicle shows a tan or white Mini Cooper. You can see the photo on KCBS's Twitter feed. COVID-19 virus has been found at infectious levels in patients who have died of the disease. Post-mortem exams of 11 COVID patients in Japan found that in half of them, infectious viral loads remained in the nasal cavities and lungs, even in one patient who had been dead for nearly two weeks. Japan had eased up on restrictions related to handling the corpses of coronavirus-infected patients, but the principal researcher of this study says these findings show that bodies of COVID patients should be handled with the assumption that they are infectious. East Bay Congresswoman Barbara Lee doesn't expect to raise as much money as her opponents in the race for the Senate seat now held by retiring Dianne Feinstein. But, as KCBS's Megan Goldsby reports, she still thinks she can win.
1: The Congresswoman waited to make the official announcement until Senator Dianne Feinstein made hers. I think it's important
3: that we respect and honor her years of service and uh, allow her the the respect to uh, do it her way when she wanted to announce, and for me personally, uh, being who I am, I thought it was better to wait until uh, she made her formal announcement that she was not going to run again.
1: Lee tells KCBS she is a good choice because she's always been very clear on her progressive platforms and has stood up for what she believes in. Also, compared to the two younger Congress members who have thrown their hats into the ring in California, Lee says she has more experience as a leader in the state.
2: There are barriers and challenges with black women face running for office, and so we can't, uh, you know, I said
3: head in the sand and don't believe that uh, as an African-American woman that I'm going to be able to raise the type of money that uh, Adam Schiff or Katie Porter can raise. But I'm going to raise the money and it's coming in to run the type of campaign that I need to run to win. Megan
2: Goldsby, KCBS.
0: A CHP investigation is underway after a fatal car crash following a police chase early this morning in Cordelia. The car that crashed had been involved in an armed carjacking in Vallejo. Highway Patrol officers chased it on eastbound 80 for about a minute because it was traveling in excess of 100 miles an hour and then crashed trying to exit the freeway at Pittman Road. Two people were killed at the scene. A third occupant of the car died a short time later. At a hospital, we've got clear skies right now, still breezy out there. Wind advisory remains in effect until 1 this afternoon. Highs will range from the 50s to low 60s. Wind speeds will die down tonight and the temperatures will plunge as well, meaning when the precipitation begins to roll in, we could see snow showers after midnight and into Thursday morning. Thursday still cloudy with light winds, a chance of showers in the morning. Some areas along the coast could see thunderstorms and showers uh, for Friday through Tuesday, mostly cloudy skies. Showers likely Friday and will continue through the weekend. Rain could continue Monday and Tuesday, highs in the lower 50s, lows in the upper 40s. As fentanyl deaths continue to climb in the U.S., experts and political leaders are divided on how to stop the flow of drugs coming over the U.S.-Mexico border. For more, we're joined on the KC, uh, KCBS Rainbow News Newsline by David Luckey, Senior International Defense Researcher and Professor of Policy Analysis at the Party Rand Graduate School. Thanks for joining us to discuss this. So there doesn't seem to be much political controversy over stopping the fentanyl uh, crossing the border into the U.S., but uh, some disagreement on how to do that.
3: Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Uh, this is a critical topic to saving American lives, and and your your point is well made. There's no debate that folks want to save American lives, and fentanyl is 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 killing more Americans than almost anything else in this country.
0: So, uh, you hear the phrase "a new war on drugs," and most of us of a certain age know how unsuccessful the previous war on drugs was. So, why would people even consider that sort of uh, you know routine this time?
3: Yeah, I, I would suggest fentanyl has has changed uh, the debate a bit. Uh, fentanyl is not like a new heroin. It's not like heroin two point It's far more deadly. It's far more potent. It's easier to produce, cheaper to produce, and it makes more money for the cartels producing it. And, and all of these things combined um, create what's known as a wicked problem. That language developed in the Bay Area in the, in the mid-70s, about the same time that the war on drugs began, interestingly enough. And, and wicked problems are known uh, by the fact that they cannot be solved we're not going to solve this problem. There is no solution. There's no single solution to this problem. And that's what makes doing everything possible important. Things like supply reduction, demand reduction, and harm reduction, all together and more need to be done. So, for example, if some folks are saying do one thing, I think we should be doing that thing. If other folks say we should be doing something else, we need to be doing that other thing as well. We need to be doing all these things and more to stop this um as indiscriminate killer from from harming and killing Americans.
0: Now when I introduced you we were talking about how the drugs are coming across the the U.S. and Mexico's southern border but that's not the only pipeline into the U.S. so how do you uh, address the multiple ports of entry?
3: Yeah that that's a great point. Um, uh, it's perceived that roughly 60 percent of the illegal fentanyl is being trafficked across uh, the border from Mexico through San Diego, and the remaining 40 percent is coming across the rest of the border. Um, the border is a long stretch of terrain, um, and we need to do everything we can in this in supply reduction efforts to stop it from coming across the border. But like I said before, that is not the only thing that needs to be done, but we certainly need to be doing that as well.
0: Yeah, we're talking about this in, in sort of uh, with a focus on government policy, but this can't just be a political or government problem, right? Somehow, Americans have to get involved. That's
3: correct. Uh, I would call this a whole-of-nation approach, not just a whole-of-government approach. This is all of our problem. Uh, all, you know, Americans' sons, daughters, mothers, fathers, grandparents, peers, colleagues, people This 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 Fentanyl is an indiscriminate killer, and if you think it can't happen to you, think again, because people are dying from this every day. Hundreds of people die from this every day. Uh, Fentanyl alone killed about 70,000 people last year in the United States. It's the leading killer of Americans aged 18 to 45, more than COVID, gun violence, traffic uh, deaths, or disease. And so if if we want to come together as a nation, this is a topic to do that on.
0: All right. Mr. Lucky, thank you very much. That's David Lucky. He's a senior international defense researcher and professor of policy analysis at the Pardee Rand Graduate School.
1: Subscribe to the All Local wherever you get your podcasts. And stream us on your smart speaker twenty-four-seven by saying Play K C B S radio.